Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Okay, great. I think only I had two people say it's wonderful. But anyway, I just want to assure you that Jesus is still on the throne. And um, it does not matter what is going on. It does not matter what is happening. I can assure you that nothing has taken him off his place of authority, his position of authority. And he's present in our lives. He wants to work wonders in our lives. All right, this morning before I go to the message, I just want to thank everybody for coming and joining us this morning. And we just bless God for all of you that are here. Yeah, good, 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 good. All right, all right. And we also bless God for those who are watching us, you know, online. And we just want to uh, thank God for you, that no matter where you are, the hands of God are not too short to reach you. And um, if you notice something, just like I have been doing in the past few weeks, you will notice that the world is opening up a little bit more than it used to be. So church is also opened. And because church is opened, <laughs> so church is opened, and uh, we're urging you to just come on in and just enjoy fellowship with us. And uh, one thing we have done is that we have taken out the requirement for registration. You don't have to register to be here. Just come in and let's fellowship together. But at the same time, we understand that, you know, some people's level of comfort is still... Uh, so we just allow you to just, you know, be comfortable as much as you're comfortable. Anyway, uh, this morning I will be uh, speaking on what I called living like Jesus or live like Jesus or life like Jesus and um, something like that, whatever you want to say, you know. So, all right. But um, I want to do this because of the unique nature of today. That's why I'm trying to teach or bring this message this way because we have some special people who have completed certain milestones in their lives amongst us, and we just want to appreciate God for them, appreciate uh, uh, what God has done, and celebrate them for the efforts and, you know, the hard work they have put in to get to where they are. And that is why, even though the message is geared towards them, but also I'm doing it in such a way that everyone will benefit, will be able to find benefit from what I am trying to teach this morning. So, I said, live like Jesus, right? If we are going to ever succeed in any of our endeavors, if we decide to do it like Jesus... I guarantee you, you are going to be successful. Why did I say that? The Bible tells us in Hebrews. Can you just give me Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3, 1, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Let's see what the scripture says. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus... And that's one of the main questions I want you to answer this morning. Do you consider Jesus? 
in everything that you do, in all your ways, in all your actions, have you considered Jesus? Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Number two, he was what? Faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was in his house. In other words, uh, God appointed Jesus just like Jesus has appointed us. Uh, what did he say? He said, as the Father has sent me, so also have I what? Sent you. So in everything that we do, in all that we do, the Bible tells us, consider Jesus. Now, the word consider simply means to look intently with the intention of following after. That's what I consider means. It means to look intently with the intention of following after. So when you say consider Jesus, like I said earlier, the question I want to ask you this morning, do you consider Jesus? When was the last time you intentionally and deliberately thought about Jesus when embarking on any endeavor? Because if we do things like Jesus did, if we understood things like Jesus understood and walked like Jesus walked, we'll have less problems in this world and better results in the things that we're doing. Unfortunately, uh, many of us are devised means and ways that are not compatible, so to say, with Jesus Christ. And the dangerous thing about that is that we have gone on cruise control or autopilots in those things that we have created, or the paths and the ways that we have created for ourselves. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Lord of all. He was King of all. But guess what? If you still look at Jesus, Jesus also considered the people that were before him. If you read Hebrews 3, from verse 3, it was given an example of how Moses was able to also fulfill his own mission and his ministry. And there was a comparison between what Jesus did and what Moses did. In other words, just as Jesus looked ahead to the people that were before him, we also need to consider Jesus, to look intently at Jesus with the intention of following after him. This morning, I want to get us to a place where I just want us to uh, uh, understand a few things that Jesus did that helped him to be comfortable. And maybe we can borrow some nuggets there to be able to uh, live our lives in whichever way we want, whichever way God has called us to live our lives, all right? But before I go into that, I just want to ask you two questions, or let me say it this way. There are two questions I always put to myself. I don't do it every time. I'm still short, but I'm trying to get to that place. But for the most part, whenever I'm embarking on anything, I ask myself two questions. And number one question is, in the light of my aspirations, where am I? in the scheme of Jesus, in the Jesus scheme of things. Where am I? In the light of what I want to do. In the light of what I am proposing to do. In the light of what I think God wants me to do. What, where am I in the scheme of things? Number two, in the light of my aspiration, am I resourced enough? Do I have enough resources? And when I mean resources, I mean spiritual resources. Do I have enough spiritual resources 
to be able to accomplish where God is leading me to. And when I say aspiration, I'm not just, I don't just mean an aspiration just somewhere in the air, just something you're just speaking of. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not my, that's not my intention. When I talk about aspirations, all right, when I talk about the aspirations that uh, we're looking at, we're looking at careers that God wants you to go into or that you have determined through, um, you know, I'm supposing that all of us, when we get into our career, we pray about it. We, you know, all right. Uh, in the light of my aspirations for my family, my aspirations in my relationship, my aspirations for my spiritual growth, any aspirations I have, in the light of those aspirations, where am I with Jesus? Number two, in the light of those aspirations, am I resourced enough? Do I have enough resources to be able to accomplish those things? And when I'm talking about that, I'm thinking, I mean resources, I mean spiritual resources again. All right? But how did Jesus do it? And I just want to give us some nuggets, some three nuggets this morning of how Jesus was able to accomplish some of the things that he did. If you can, just turn your Bibles to uh, the book of uh, Luke, chapter 2, verse 52. Luke, chapter 2, verse 52. Look at what it said. Now, let me give you a paraphrase. Let me just paraphrase what this scripture is all about. This scripture was about Jesus Christ when he was 12, and he, uh, they, they, they went for the normal yearly pilgrimage that they do in their society and their community at that time, all right? And Jesus, at that age of 12, began to, he sat down with all the high priests and all those guys, the big guys, the big guns who were so uh, 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 vast in the letters of the word, in the letters of scriptures, and he was asking them questions, intelligent questions, and answering questions, and all of that stuff. He was doing it. And somehow, his parents missed it, and he missed the train going back home. And when they came back to come and look for him, they found him sitting amongst all those big scribes, and all those lawyers, and people who have authority in church. And they saw how he was exchanging uh, uh, scriptures. The people around him were so intrigued, and so uh, amazed at his understanding and his knowledge of what was going on. All right? And so his parents told him, son, why did you do this to us? You should have told us this. And he said, I need to be about my father's business. And guess what happened? Uh, the Bible says he got up without excuse, followed them along. And the Bible now told us that Jesus did what? That's when we got to the scripture. And Jesus increased. I wanted to use that word. I wanted to see that word. The, 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 uh, the, um, the, the operative word there is increased. And Jesus increased in wisdom, one, in stature, two, and in favor with God and man. So there are three nuggets here that Jesus is trying to show us. He grew in wisdom. He grew or increased. And that scripture says, and that uh, version of scripture says he increased. So he increased or he grew. The operative word again is increase. That is the most important thing in this scripture. He increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased in favor before God and men. And I'm telling you this morning that if you are going to adhere and live life like Jesus Christ, you have to be able to embrace the wisdom of God. You have to be able to embrace an increase in stature. And you have to be able to embrace favor. He increased. The scriptures never told us a lot of things there or details about how Jesus lived his life from when he was born up until when he started his ministry. 
But from this scripture, you can have a little glimpse or an insight into what was happening to him between the times when he was born and when he started his earthly ministry. All right? And by this scripture, we understand that something was happening in his life. He just did not get born, disappeared to Egypt, came back, hid, and then after a while, he just appeared, you know, and before John the Baptist, and John the Baptist just commissioned him into ministry. That's not how it happened. The Bible is telling us that Jesus increased. You remember when the scripture was written, it was about when he was 12 years old. He said he increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased in favor before God and man. If these three nuggets, now, before I go, before I go on, I just want you to know that there are so many nuggets in scriptures that we need to embrace. But I'm just telling you that as uh, people who are graduating, you have a career, you have a family, you have whatever aspirations that you have. If you can take these three nuggets, these three things, and put them into practice, guess what will happen to you? You'll be as successful as Jesus wants you to be. You'll be as uh, successful as Jesus was because that is his desire. He said, uh, you will do greater works than this because I go to the Father. So, what is wisdom? How did it operate in the life of Jesus? What is wisdom? I will say wisdom is this. There are so many definitions of wisdom, all right, and how it operated in the life of Jesus. But for Jesus, in his life, and the way it operated, wisdom is the right thing, the desirable thing, the acceptable thing, and the good thing. In other words, if you walk in the wisdom of God, because Christ has been made unto us wisdom. In other words, wisdom is a person. Wisdom is the individual because Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. And what is the Bible telling us when it says Jesus increased or we, and we should increase? It means that Jesus is already in you. The wisdom of God is present in you. And you now have to do all that you need to do to be able to expand your reach or your capacity in the wisdom of God. So anytime you're walking in wisdom, anytime you walk in wisdom, you don't need to think of the right or wrong thing because you're already doing the right thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. You don't need to think of what is acceptable because wisdom, if you walk in wisdom, whatever the results are or the fruits of that thing will be acceptable. It will be good. It will be, uh, 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 it will be, um, uh, 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 where is it now? Uh, it will be desirable, it will be acceptable, it will be the good thing, and it will be the right thing because you have walked in wisdom. Let's quickly look at how wisdom operated in life of Jesus. Can you open to uh, uh, Matthew 22? Let's see how that happens. Let's see how that happens. Matthew 22, verse 15, starting from verse 15. I'll just read that and then... No, not Samuel now. Matthew. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 15. Okay, good. All right. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in this talk. I want to tell you today, if you don't know it already, maybe uh, that's a breaking news. If you know it already, then maybe just get adjusted that there will always be obstacles in your life. There will always be. Am I saying that to scare you? No. But in the place of obstacle, God has given us his wisdom. And the only way or one of the ways we can, we can sidetrack obstacles or overcome obstacles is going to be what? Through the wisdom of God. Go ahead. 16. 
And they sent out unto him his disciples, their disciples, with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know thou art true. That is true. Now, they were trying to trap him, get him in a trap, but they were using what is familiar to him to get him trapped. Is it true that Jesus is true? Yes, it's true. It's that Jesus is true. And Jesus knew he was true. Am I correct? He knew he was true. And they knew he was true. But if they are going to get him, that's what the Bible says, we should be aware of the wiles of the enemy. If they were going to get him, they were going to get him with something familiar and put poison right in between it. When we get attacked, when we get into trouble, when all this has happened to us, a lot of times there are not things that we're really, really concerned about what we should be concerned about. However, wisdom asks you to be vigilant. And teaches thou the way of God in truth. That is the truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Jesus did not regard the person of men. Now, this scripture is not saying Jesus does not care for men. It's just saying that Jesus did not care for the opinion of men. Now, am I saying the opinion of men are not good? The opinion of men, I mean, you listen to them. There are some voices of listening. The Bible even told us that in a multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. Am I correct? But the Bible is saying you should not rely on how people applause you to be able to get to where you're going. And Jesus never gave himself to that. Jesus did not wait to be commended. He did not wait to be applauded for him to get into the reality of what God wanted him to get to. All right? He just did the work of God. All right? But now, look at the trap. And tell us, therefore, what thou thinkest. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? That was a trap. But that trap was like a sandwich. You see, the, the, you know, you get the bread in front and the bread in front, and you put, you know, all the condiments in between the bread. And guess what? They just line some kind of poison in between. And you get it, and you think you are eating a great sandwich. And before you know it, the harm has been done. And that's exactly what they do. And I'm telling you that a lot of times, especially in our careers, in our ways, in dealing with people, in doing all these kinds of things, that is the way things happen. All right? You don't know traps just happen. Because you know why? We have an enemy called the devil. And he uses his wiles to be able to get us. Now, so what did Jesus just do? Jesus told them. He said, you, you know, and Jesus perceived. Did you see that? Jesus perceived their wickedness. And said, why tempt you me, you hypocrite? In other words, the wisdom of God always comes with perception. The wisdom of God always comes with perception. And what is perception? Perception does not mean, uh, perception does not mean uh, you know, the way I see, I feel, I thought. There's something about perception that is beyond what you see. It's, a, it's like a spiritual insight or an insight. It's, it's like something you see that is behind the real meaning. I mean, you see into something. You see the meaning. You see the reality of things. And that is perception. And wisdom always comes with perception. And Jesus saw, even though they were not explaining what they were after to him, Jesus saw it. He knew it. Why? Because the wisdom of God was working in him. And guess what happened? He told them, give me a coin. Let's see the coin. And when they saw the coin, whose image is there? It's Caesar's. Okay, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God. That is wisdom first class. You know why? Because he was perceptive. He has a perception. He has an insight. He could see things beyond the ordinary. All right? And I want to pray for you this morning. 
in anything that you do, in any career, any relationship, I pray for the spirit of perception to be present and functional in details in you in the name of Jesus. That you will see what nobody else is seeing. You will see things because you are relating with Jesus. And because of the life of Jesus present in you, you can see beyond the ordinary. You can look into things and get the meaning of them and, and come out safe on the other side in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, what is uh, uh, growing in wisdom will involve certain things. All right? Number one thing, if you want to increase in the wisdom of God, you have to increase your knowledge. Without, there's no wisdom without knowledge. You just have to increase knowledge. You just have to increase your knowing, right? You just have to increase what you understand, especially from a spiritual perspective, all right? Especially from a spiritual perspective, you have to uh, uh, increase your knowledge, increase your understanding, all right? Now, uh, because from Proverbs, we understand from Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 1, if you read from Proverbs 1, verse, uh, I don't want to go, I don't want to read that, but Proverbs 1, 20 to 22, talks about how the wise man increased knowledge. He increases understanding. If you are going to increase understanding, if you are going to fulfill the things that Jesus wants you to do and get wisdom, you have to increase your understanding. You have uh, 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 to, to, to have a desire to increase in knowledge. You have, a you have to have a taste for knowledge, right? Uh, these days, uh, they tell us, what, what, what do they call it? They say, you know, you, you know, be a lifelong learner, right? You have to be a lifelong learner if you want to increase in the wisdom of God. Number two, which is very important, your relationships, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, it says, he that walks with the wise will also be wise. If you want to be wise, walk with wise people. As young people, you are going to college. You are graduating college. Look for mentors who are, who are wiser, who are smarter, who know things more than you do. Ask for their knowledge. Ask for their wisdom. You want to increase uh, your, your wisdom and your knowledge in the area of your marriage. Look for people who have, done, who, who have been successful. All right? Ask them. How did you do it? Listen to them. I was reading something about one guy who, who had to pay some money to Warren Buffett to learn how to invest. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. You have to have a taste for knowledge. And you have to have a taste for good relationship where wisdom does exist. Now, let's go to the second one, which is stature. Jesus increased in stature. What is stature here? Stature has to do with your reputation. It has to do with your credibility. It has to do with your influence. It has to do with your capacity. If you look at the life of David, David was able to confront Goliath because he had already confronted some things before, right? He, he, said, he said, I have confronted the bear and I've killed the lion, and therefore God will give this to me. What is, that, what is the indication of that? That is an indication that we can grow in our capacity. We can grow in our influence. We can grow in our credibility. We can grow in our reputation. And when I say reputation, I know somebody will tell me that in Philippians, Philippians 2, God said Jesus made himself of no reputation. So why are you saying that reputation is important? Yes, there are two different reputations I'm talking about here. All right? One is your reputation of who you are as a person. All right? This is me. Uh, I am the son of God. Or this is me. I am the president of the United States. That's not the kind of reputation he's talking about here. All right? The kind of reputation he's talking about here has to do with your character. 
How is your character expanding? How is your capacity expanding? How is your ability expanding? And we saw Jesus, the way he embraced ministry, he started gradually and increased and increased and worked stronger and worked stronger and worked stronger in ministry and in influence. And the Bible even told us at some point that his fame and his popularity went before him. Jesus would call people and he would, he would do something and he would tell them, don't tell anybody that this happened. All right? Now, if it's some of us, you know, we, you know, I just did a miracle and, you know, just, just, just let some people, I mean, you, in other words, we're giving our, you know, our business cards, so to say, and distributing our business. But Jesus was not the kind of person. Jesus was not the kind of person. He was silently and personally improving his capacity. He was improving his reputation. He was improving his influence. I want to charge you. If your influence, your capacity, your reputation remains the same the way it was 2,000 years ago, you have, you have a problem. The way it works is to be consistently growing in our reputation, in our capacity, in our influence. And if you are not influencing anybody, good news, you can start influencing somebody. However, you have to determine to grow, to increase in your influence, to increase in your stature, to increase in your ability and in your capacity to do things the way God wants us to do those things. So, um, how do we increase our stature? How do we increase our stature? Number one, do what you are supposed to do. Jesus did that in Luke 4. We saw how, if you read Luke 4, I don't have the time to read it now, but if you read Luke 4, you will find out how Jesus began to increase his capacity by the things he was doing. He kept on doing things, repeating things, doing what was required of him. And I'm telling you, in any area of life that you are engaged in, what is required of you? You need to ask yourself, what is required of me? What do I need to put in to make sure that I'm efficient and I'm doing what I need to do? In every area of your life. Because if you don't increase capacity, guess what will happen? Nobody will desire anything that you have. Too many of us have skills. We are gifted. We have the things that it takes to make the world a better place. But we are lacking in the area of capacity where people cannot depend on you. People cannot count on you. People don't want to relate with you. You know why? Because your capacity is not just stagnant, it is even diminishing. And that is not Jesus' way. That's not how Jesus did it. He lived his life, improving and increasing his capacity every time. Number three, favor. This is a big one. What does favor mean? It means goodwill. It means to be privileged. And Webster, Marian Webster describes that gracious kindness. Gracious kindness. All right? Um, I, I'm, I'm, do I call myself a moth? I don't know what to say, but I, I, I also have, I have different backgrounds and one of my backgrounds is accounting. I'll, I'm not, I don't want to you know, bog you down with uh, this, but I just want to explain something to you. In, in accounting, when we try to value a company or an organization's assets and all of that, you look at what they have. You look at their liquid assets, you look at their fixed assets, 
and all of that, fixed asset means machineries, cars, uh, buildings, and all of that. Then you look at the, you know, the finances. You look at you know, how much money they have on hand. And you say, okay, this company is doing well, or this organization is doing well. But however, when you are evaluating a company or an organization, their valuation does not just stop in their fixed assets or their liquid assets alone. Am I correct, sir? You have what is called, okay, I have another accountant in front of me. <laughs> You have also what is called intangible assets. And one of those intangible assets, meaning the assets don't physically exist, but yet they carry a lot of money, a lot of value. And one of those assets that is intangible is called goodwill. In other words, the reputation of the company costs money. If, I'm going, if I have a company and I want to sell that company to you, I'm not just going to only sell all the things that you see physically to you. I'm also going to sell the goodwill to you. I'm going to value the goodwill and send it to you. And for some organization, the value of their intangible assets, which is goodwill, is much higher than even the tangible assets. Bring it down to what we're talking about. Favor is a form of spiritual intangible assets. Assets that you, you, you don't think exist. Assets that brings you results, but they are not tangible. It's what favor is. And that is why in the life of Jesus, you will see the family of Lazarus, Mary and Martha and all of them, they just wanted to do something for him. They wanted to work for him. They wanted to do good for him. I don't want you to be in a situation where people don't want to work with you. They don't want to do anything with you. You know why? Because you have driven them. You have not practiced favor. You have not desired favor. You have not embraced favor. And you have not grown in favor. That was in the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus had two kinds of people. There were people who just detested him. They did not like him. But there were also people who loved him. To the point that... When those people who did not like him, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those guys did not like him, when they wanted to take him, they were so afraid of the people that liked him that they had to change their plans. So many times I hear this thing about Christians. Oh, if people like you, you are not doing the word of God. Lie! <laughs> Scripture tells us, if a man's way pleases the Lord, he will cause even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you live your life and everybody doesn't like you because you're a Christian, you're not living the Christian life. The Jesus life comes with favor. And if you're not experiencing favor, I need you to check and recheck. Because something is not right. In the life of Jesus, how was it practiced? We saw in, uh, in, in the book of Mark 7, uh, 24 to 30, where we saw the uh, Syrophoenician woman who came to him. The woman did not deserve healing. She did not deserve anything that Jesus Christ had to give her. Because why? She was a Gentile, and God has sent Jesus Christ to the household, to the lost, uh, to the lost in the household of Israel. That was his assignment, his primary assignment. So if Jesus was not ready to heal her daughter, then he was right. He was on the right. But Jesus was ready 
to look beyond what is right and show favor. When was the last time you did something for somebody? Not because they deserved it, but because you just want to show them favor. Because if you want to grow in favor, if you want to grow in favor, guess what? You must show favor. The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man plants, that also will he reap. If you sow favor, you will reap favor. In other words, if you bless people just because they are people and you just want to bless them because you are in a position to be, to be a blessing to them, all right? Not because of what you are going to get back. Because a lot of times we do these transactional relationships where, oh, it is what I can get back that I can give. You are not going to walk in favor or in the fullness of favor. Anybody who walks in favor is not transactional in his relationships. Number two way. Number one way of growing in favor is you sow favor. Do favor to people. Number two, just be a nice person. That's it. Be nice. Be good. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good? Do you go about doing good? Because that is the precursor for the favor of God to begin to expand in your life. And you find out that even when you don't need help, people want to help you by force. When you don't deserve help, people want to help you by force. Because too many of us just depend on all that we have. And for me as a person, if anybody comes and tells me that everything I am, all that I have is because of what I have done, that is a dangerous person to me, and I'll give you some space. Because none of us is an island to ourselves. Everybody, for whatever it is that we have achieved or what we are going to achieve, we are going to need people to help us. And Jesus made it very clear here. That's why he had Mary and Martha. He had his disciples. He had all those people who wanted to do things just because he was Jesus and they believed in his mission. Forget about how well you can market because sometimes you can market very well and be a good marketer and be a good communicator and yet people don't want to listen to what you have. You know why? Because you're not just nice. God wants us to increase in favor and we are going to increase in favor by what sowing favor and doing good just be a good person be a nice person desire to do good in my life i have determined that that's my main mission i want to walk in wisdom i want to increase my stature every day i want to walk in favor in this church that's our desire too we want to consistently walk in wisdom. We want to consistently increase our stature. And we want to consistently increase the favor of God upon our lives. Because it is only then and then that we can live the way Jesus lived. Father, this morning I just want to thank you, God, for your word. I give you praise. I thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the people that are specially celebrating a milestone in their lives. Where they are moving from one stage of life to the other. And as they go, God, in the name of Jesus, help us to be able to open our minds up to the place 
where we can walk in your wisdom like you did. Walk in increased stature and walk in favor before God and man. Father, we just want to thank you and we bless you. We declare, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, that everything that you have said we are and what you want us to be, we will be to the glory and honor of your name. Especially for Walkfan, I just want to thank you. I commit work into your care that Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, will be present and will be lived here in reality, O oh God. We give you praise and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.